Introducing Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. This podcast is for parents who long to be meaningfully connected to themselves and their children, even as the demands of modern life are accelerated. Enjoy a collection of supportive conversations, meditations, and nuggets of practical wisdom to help you embrace the parenting journey as your greatest potential for personal growth. Welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'm your host, Michelle Gale, and I am here today with a dear friend and colleague, Holly Smith. Ali is one of the founders of the Holistic Life Foundation that's based out of Baltimore. And I am very blessed and lucky to get to serve on their um, board of directors that I just joined this past year. And I'm really excited to share Ali with, with all of you. Welcome, Ali. Thanks for having me, Michelle. It's great to be on here. And it's also great to have you on our board, too. We're excited to have you be a uh, part of the team. It's been so great. I'm so honored, really honored. Would you share with our listeners a little bit about the work that you do with Holistic Life Foundation? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, myself, my brother Otman, and our friend from college, Andy Gonzalez, started the Holistic Life Foundation um, fresh out of college in like 2001. Um, and when we started, our goal was to bring yoga and mindfulness programming to underserved youth and communities. Um, since that time, things have grown a lot and changed a lot. Our, our mission has changed. I, I guess I guess our mission has changed some. Um, our focus is still on yoga and mindfulness-based programming, um, and we are serving underserved communities a lot. Um, in Baltimore City Public Schools alone, uh, we work with, I think it's like 17 or 18 schools working with about 7,500 kids a week. But um, we realized that everybody's stressed in every single demographic and walk of life. Yeah. So um, we teach in private schools. We teach in the counties. Um, we work with adults. We're still doing work in drug treatment centers and the mental illness facilities. Um, we're working in the male and female juvenile detention centers here in Baltimore. Uh, we're doing some corporate stuff. We're doing trainings and retreats, uh, speaking engagements. So things have changed a lot. Um, I think one of the coolest things about what we're doing now is that um, even though Atman, Andy, and I, I mean, when we started, we were doing all the programming and trying to do administrative work, too, and it kind of stagnated us a little, but now that we switched to, to our administrative roles, I'm our executive director, Atman's our director of fundraising, and Andy's our director of marketing, uh, we support a team of about 34 program staff, and a lot of those, uh, a lot of our program staff are former students of ours uh, who come through the programs, and now that they're young adults, they're out there teaching and doing what we were doing for them, so it's beautiful to see. Ah, that is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And you're doing quite a bit of training of the, um, the youth that have been through your program still, yeah? Yeah, we're, 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 um, we'll, we do a workforce development program every summer uh, for young 18 to 24-year-olds from Baltimore. A lot of them come through our programs. A lot of them are friends of people that have come through our programs. Yeah. Um, we're trying to train them up to be employees because we need a larger workforce. And uh, this is a good opportunity to give some people with a uh, with a big heart and not a lot of opportunities and opportunity to, to support themselves and their families in a, in a positive and uplifting way and then uh, make a positive change in their community. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And, um, you know, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, this podcast is focused on parenting. So I'd love for you to speak a little bit to your experience um, as a child and growing up. I know your parents had a lot of influence um, and it sounds like sometimes quiet influence on on you and and how you ended up on this path. 
Will you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there was no real quiet influence from me and Ivan's parents. Our parents no. were very... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh, they, they, uh, yeah, they definitely let us know what they expected of us and how they expected it to be done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, was, there wasn't much silence about it. I mean, uh, our parents were, we like to tease them and say they were a little ahead of their time because our parents were vegan. I mean, I guess we were too. We were vegan. We, they were into yoga and meditation and like Ayurvedic cooking and oh, all types of teas and stuff. And like back in like the early 80s, like no one was really doing that. So me and my brother like got made fun of for the stuff that our friends did know about, but the stuff we didn't share a lot with them. Um, but it was like now, like my, my, my kids are into it and like it, it's something that's actually cool. So, I mean, it's, it's just a difference in the time. It's kind of cool to see the shift that these things are more popular in the mainstream. But when we were into, when we were kids into them, we didn't really know of anybody that, that was into these things. Like our dad would, was uh, in the, he was in the Hatha yoga a lot at that point. Um, and uh, that was, actually he was in the, he was in the Hatha and Kundalini, uh, but he taught us to meditate. Uh, we would meditate every morning before school. Wow. Uh, we went to, we grew up in a, a self-realization fellowship like Kriya Church. So um, church started with the meditation in the morning um, incense, crystals, candles, um, readings from all different types of religious and spiritual texts to show the underlying like oneness and in, in all religious practices and, and all the truths in them. Uh, such as the Quaker School, Baltimore, a friend school of Baltimore, uh, where there was like meeting for worship and um, um, yeah, meeting for worship, moment of silence before you did anything, a lot of reflection, a lot of celebrating individuality and diversity, and then like. Um, Kind of like the themes of like uh, like bhakti yoga, you know what I mean? Like the they always talk about the same light shining within us all. So it's like that that commonality and that unity within all people. So mm-hmm. all of our behavior shaping institutions were were that. I mean, we were still normal kids. Like my you know, my dad, he he taught us how to meditate, but he also bought us boxing gloves. One year we'd make we would have like boxing matches on the front front porch with all of our friends. It's always that balance. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a pretty cool experience growing up with my parents. Yeah, and did you, do you feel like you always embraced it? Because I'll often have parents ask me, um, you know, people have different opinions on it. You know, should I be teaching my, my child to meditate? You know, and I always a little bit here, should I make my child meditate, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't want to force children to meditate probably because that might push them away from it. But it sounds like this was something you embraced. Um, sometimes I, I think, I think I took a lot, I, I think I learned a lot from the experience in the way that I deal with my sons in meditation, yeah. um, where, where they were like, I mean, it was just something we did every morning. Yeah. And, um, like, uh, I think it was just, I, I don't, I don't think, I think at that point we didn't really take ownership of the practice because yeah. once we, once my parents got divorced and they split up and there was, there, I mean, it's, it's hard for, to have a, like, when you have two people as householders, like you can balance things out if there's one person doing it certain things fall by the wayside. So my dad would have to get up and make his breakfast and he was ready for school. So there was really any time to meditate in the mornings mm. when we were with him. And my mom was more on the, on the like um, prayer and uh, Ayurvedic cooking side of the practice. Like she wasn't really into it. Like she would meditate from time to time, but she was more in the prayer. Mm. So um, it, our practice kind of faded away. So I think that was one thing I was very uh, mindful of when I had my sons was like trying to um, try and see the things that worked and didn't work for me and, and kind of roll from there. But I mean, obviously it, it worked and they planted a deep enough seed because I mean, we're doing exactly what we learned when we were younger. Like that's what we're doing for our living now. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And tell me, how old are your boys now? Uh, my boys are 10 and five now. 
10 and five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. And so how do you, what do you do with them? How do you weave these practices in, um, into their lives that works for you? And it sounds like it's changed. It has for me as well. It ebbs and flows mm -hmm. based on their age and what's going on in life. Um, but what are some of the rituals that, that you've brought into, um, your lives? Uh, it was, it was funny. I know when, um, like I've been teaching and working with kids from 2001 to 2006, yeah. before my, before my oldest son was born. And, um, the first thing people ask, when are you going to teach yoga? When are you going to teach yoga? When are you going to teach me how to meditate? When are you going to teach me? I'm like, well, when he's ready. And I was, and they were like, well, why do you even know he's ready? I was like, I'll know when he's ready. I mean, like, yeah. so it started off with like, I had a lot more time back then. So I could spend a lot more time on that. Like, I could do, at the time I was doing a lot of Kriya and a lot of Kundalini, a lot of Pranayama and I'd meditate. And uh, he would crawl, he, he would like crawl on me while I was practicing my physical stuff and kind of sit on my lap. And I was doing my breath work on meditation. And then he started like mimicking some of the things that I was doing. And then one day he just asked me, he was, he was like around four, around four years old. He asked me, and he started asking the right questions. Like, what are you doing? Why are you sitting still? Like, it's just mm -hmm. your body. So he just started asking the right questions. It's like, okay, if you're interested, let's start doing this. And I remember like I started, I was like, okay, let's meditate. I was like, well, I've meditated the morning before I went to school. So let's try that. So I get up in the morning uh, before he we went to like, I guess he was in kindergarten at that point. And uh, he was falling asleep all the time. He was trying to fight sleeping. So the mornings weren't obviously the way to, to meditate with him. So mm. we switched to we meditated the night before we went to bed. And that worked for him. Mm. Um, so we were just, I was just trying to make it work for him. And then as we, then things progressed. I mean, we, he started meditating. We, we did it every evening. And uh, we, I found a routine that he liked. So we would get together. He really likes mantra yoga. So we would do some mantras. Uh, we would talk about like... Um, uh, Hare Katha or, or Dharma talk um, and we would talk about spirituality and yoga and um, contemplative practices based around his day and his experiences in his day wow. and then we would sit and we would meditate he really liked that he, I mean he still does to this day he really likes that so um, and I know there was a while that I, I stopped um, I stopped meditating with him like I wanted him to take ownership of the practice so I just stopped forcing it on him I mean it wasn't really forcing because we were having fun doing it yeah. But I knew that I couldn't have his practice because it, it was it was my practice more than it was his practice. Yeah. And like one day he, we were sitting at dinner. He's like, "Hey, Dad, uh, can, can we meditate tonight?" I was like, "Oh, really? What, what makes you say that?" He's like, "You know, I just feel like I, I just sit, need to sit and meditate." Um, and then I know that he understood why he was doing it. And um, so so from now so now he's responsible for his practice. Like he'll sit and he'll meditate on his own, or, or some nights he'll be like, "Hey, Dad, can we meditate before we go to bed?" Because we me and his mom are together. Like um, we're um. Amazing co-parents, like, um, but like, yeah, we, we it didn't work out with us uh, yeah. being together. Uh, but it's uh, so so he'll meditate on his own when he's at his mom's. So he'll meditate with his mom because she's she's got a practice too. And but when he comes to me, he'll like when it, he'll we'll go Sunday to Sunday. So he might show up on Sunday like, hey dad, I want to meditate every night while we're here. And I might remind him the first couple of nights, but then I'll stop. And then it's funny. It, it, and sometimes it's not even. It's just life going on. You know what I mean? Trying to deal with two kids and get ready for school and pack lunches. And, da -da -da -da. and I'm like, all right, guys, it's time to go to bed. And he'll be like, no, no we have to meditate. Oh. So, I'm like, so I'm like, all right. And then I'll, his younger brother, uh, we'll get him some Legos and then he can, we'll meditate together and then we'll, we'll kind of go through it. And we're actually just starting to get his younger brother into the practice as well. Um, he'll, we'll start off doing something with him for a few minutes, maybe like five minutes. And then he'll leave and then go play in his room or whatever, read a book, color, do something, uh, watch Teen Titans go if that's what he's feeling like that <laughs> evening. 
<laughs> and then, um, yeah, me and Austin will sit and we'll do our practice and I'll put them both to bed. Mm. And what I'm hearing is that really he's, you know, been drawn in because of your, the depth of your practice and the way that, um, you know, you've shared it with him in a way that hasn't pushed it on him, um, but has kind of allowed him to enter in rather than it feel like something, this is like one more thing you have to do, right? I think that's what families struggle with. It's, you know, and teachers, you know, when I talk to teachers, I'm sure you've had these conversations with teachers in schools. They're like, oh, one more thing, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I can't add one more thing. Mm -hmm. um, but when you give them that example of you um, and then kind of invite them in, I mean, I think that's a good thing for parents to hear. You know, it starts with your practice. I, I remember sitting with John Kabat-Zinn and someone asked him this question about his kids. You know, both of his kids are do yoga and teach meditation. And, um, and they said, did you meditate with them when they were young? And he said, you know, not, not much, but I meditated every morning. And so they would generally make their way into my room and I'd been up for a while sitting. And I remember him um, saying how he'd be sitting and he had a blanket around him and, and maybe Will would come in and he would open the blanket up. You know, he wouldn't say anything. And then they would crawl in, you know, and he'd close the blanket and they'd just sit there with him quietly mm -hmm. while he was meditating. And, um, and that alone, you know, really helped to guide them in that way. Just that stillness. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I'm curious, um, you know, I, kids are such our little teachers, right? They're our little, little, little spiritual guides. <laughs> so often I'm wondering what are some of the lessons, um, that you feel like you receive, have received or continue to receive from your boys? Like how, how, how do they teach you? Um, I think, uh, I mean, there's, there's definitely a ton of ways. I don't know. The first one that comes to mind is just like, um, compassion and love um like just unconditionally i mean it, it's weird like people will meet like when i introduce my boys to somebody like uh you know i mean like my boys will come up to them and give them a big hug because they know the dad's introducing the people that are friends of mine and and like it, it kind of throws people off because they're not used to getting i mean they might not even get hugs from their own kids but yeah. my boys will come up to them and give them a big like when you meet my boys like you'll i guarantee you they brought to you give you a Hug. Hey, this is my friend Michelle. And like, like, okay, friend Michelle. And then like, you'll, you'll get a big hug. Like, it's one of the things I've seen them a lot. Uh, um, slowing down, I think. Um, I know this past, like, past two years have been, uh, there's been a lot of growth with the Holistic Life Foundation. And um, I feel like there was a lot of times where I would let my work life bleed into my evenings with them. Yeah. And um, Asama was, Asama's very, very, uh, my oldest son, he's very observant and very, like, um, I don't know, he's just very sensitive when it comes to, like, picking up on things, like, and he could tell, like, hey, dad, put that down, like, stop. So, like, I'm, one thing I've done is, like, I don't have, yeah, when, when I get, when I, when I pick them up from school on the weeks that they're with me, all work stops, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm just 100% there with them. Like, there's always work that can be done. But it can wait until the morning until they go to bed or, or whenever. But their time is their time. And I, I feel like we have a lot more fun. Um, I guess um, I, I guess those are the two two biggest things. I mean, and, and I guess to slow down and have some fun. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, they, we, we stop and, like, we'll have – we have Nerf – we have Nerf gun battles all the time. We, um, we, we have tons and tons of board games that we play. Um, there's times where – 
when we do have a PlayStation 3, we'll play video games together. Where there's cartoons, like there's cartoons that I like and cartoons that they like. So we're introducing each other to cartoons that we like and movies that we like. Uh, we spend a lot of time out in nature. Um, we go out and play sports together. Like there's a lot, a lot that we do to kind of unplug from all the stuff that's going on and just, just have a good time together. Mm, it's really, I love it. I love that. And I love the compassion and love, and I can't wait to get my hug. Oh, you're going to get big hugs from the two of those <laughs> I can't wait to get to Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wonder, cause you have the opportunity and I know you're working less, um, on site now with the, mm. with the youth, um, but you have done so much of it and you have your own boys. And I'm curious, you know, what are you, um, what, what have you been noticing, you know, in these last years uh, with youth as far as what they're, you know, what they're struggling with? Like, what's, what's hard for them? Huh. I think one of the things is that there seem to be more distractions these days. Yeah. Um, I feel like when, even, even like when we first started uh, the Holistic Life Foundation, like kids didn't have cell phones. Like it was harder to get online. Um, kids didn't have iPads, the video games were there, but they weren't as prominent. There weren't like umpteen billion channels on cable. Like I feel like there's just so much more stimulus and like it's harder for the kids to kind of shake it off and start to really find some internal peace with all the external noise that turns into internal noise. Um, I feel like, uh, I mean, I guess there's always been that lack of connection, um, whether it's to the people around them or, or to themselves. And I think that may be in be growing too. Cause I mean, like you'll, I mean, there's tons of times I know when I go out and I see a family and they'll all have their phones out, like we're there at dinner and they all have their phones out and all looking down at their phones and nobody's talking to each other. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, no, put the phone down, talk to each other. You're out to have a good time. Or like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think the, the lack of connectivity, all the stimulus and, and I feel like it's, I feel like one of the saddest things it's like people are being desensitized to a lot of things because it's mm-hmm. just things are happening more like to the violence and to just a lot of hate. Like I feel like there's, there's just so much, there's so much negativity that people are desensitized to that people used to kind of be appalled by mm-hmm. that it's uh yeah, there's, there's a lot that kids are dealing with these days. Like I don't, I don't envy the kids these days. Yeah, it's like things are becoming normalized, you know, Um, the violence is becoming normalized, particularly because of, you know, the media that's at their fingertips and what they can see and what they, you know, what they kind of know, especially older, you know, kids, teens, I find myself, um, you know, I have my oldest son is 13, almost 14. And, you know, where I wouldn't, you know, even a year ago, I didn't feel so compelled to tell him, like, if something happened, you know, if like this, you know, another bombing somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. but now I know he's going to go to school and, and know about it immediately, exactly. right? It doesn't matter immediately. that immediately we don't, put mm-hmm. the, even though we don't, you know, put the news on here, right? Like after they leave, I might listen to, um, you know, NPR or something for a little while, but they're going to know about it. And so I'm finding, you know, and in a lot of ways it can be a good thing, right? Cause we're having conversations. I'm really able to give the, you know, give them a little perspective mm-hmm. and ways to think about it. But also there's this need that you didn't have in the past. <laughs> you didn't have to tell them about all these awful things that had gone on because they just weren't going to hear about it. Exactly. Yeah. They weren't going to hear about it. Um, what, um, 
what is it like for you, um, you know, having, cause you have your boys and then you mm-hmm. have all these kids like in your after school um, programs and you're also with kids in, you know, in the juvenile system. Um, you know, what is, what is your perspective on parenting? How has that been influenced by all of this work that you've done out in the world? Um, I think one of the biggest things to show me is that no matter how rough, a, like a rough, the kid's exterior is, or whether like, no matter how angry they are, no matter how violent they may be, they're still just kids. You know what I mean? Like they're obviously in a lot of pain and they need some help and they need some love. They need someone to acknowledge them. So it's just, yeah, I think a lot of times people want to lock kids and they're locking children up. You know what I mean? Like and they're suspending kids and they're expelling kids from school. But like, if you really can stop for a second, like these kids are in pain and they're crying out for help and they need some help. Yeah. Um, and even if, even if you, they can't help them, I think a lot of what we do is give them skills and tools to help themselves because there might not be some, like, we're not going to be in their lives. For, I mean, some of the kids we are in their lives forever, but some of them, we might not be in their lives for that long, but we try to give them skills and tools to be able to help themselves so they can deal with the pain that they're going through and be able to slow it down and stop and respond as they just react to, to stuff that's going on in their lives and inside their heads. So, yeah, I think that's one of the, one of the biggest things. Mm. You know, that makes me think about that program that's been so successful. And I can't remember the name of the school in Baltimore where you have, you know, rather you've agreed with the, the school that instead of the kids going to detention, they come to a mindful moment room. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. They yeah, come we, to the mindful moment room. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that program's at Robert Coleman Elementary School and Patterson High School. Okay. Um, and it's a school-wide initiative where the kids, like the entire school does a, a mindfulness, or mindfulness yoga-based practice from their desks in the morning for about 15 minutes. Uh, it's twice at the uh, elementary school and once at the high school a day. And uh, we also have our mindful moment room at both schools where if kids are angry or they can't focus or they've gotten into a fight or they're sad, whatever's going on and they can't focus on their school day or they're, they're in some type of pain or whatever's going on, uh, they come to the mindful moment room. And we have staff there throughout the entire school day. And uh, I mean, our, our staff's really, really good at what they do. And I remember when we first started the program, like, are, you, are, you got, are your staff like, trained counselors? And like, no, that, our staff's not counseling. They're just very good listeners. Like a lot of times, like kids want to be listened to. They want to be heard. And it's, it's funny, the kids come in with a referral slip from their teachers. And I'd say nine times out of 10, the reason that the teacher wrote that the kid got sent to the room is different than the reason the kid actually tells you why they're there. Wow. And um, yeah, it's crazy. And then, so the kids will come in, they'll start by um, relaxing. It's like having a seat on like a meditation cushion or yoga mat. And they'll do some breath work to come in, just some deep breathing to calm themselves down. Our staff will sit. Uh, just listen to them. The kids have a chance to share. And then we'll do some mindfulness practices. Some, some of the kids who are a little, um, need, need some movement, we'll do some physical yoga with them. We'll always do some breath work and with the meditation, give them a cup of tea and send them back to class. And uh, I mean, it, it's had some great results. At, at the elementary school, Robert Coleman, they haven't had any suspensions in three years. And at the uh, high school, uh, Patterson High School, it's helped uh, decrease suspension numbers, fights, improve freshman GPA and promotions, improve overall school attendance. And uh, before I was talking to the principal, uh, Vance Benton, um, this is probably a couple weeks ago, uh, we were talking, it's, actually, it's been a little longer than that, but he said one of the things that him and his teachers notice uh, is that when they're at their school, like it, it, it's, it's the energy they're used to there. So they're like, okay, they're going through the day, but when they go to another school, 
they can feel the difference energetically. Like you can feel the friction in the air, you can feel the tension, you can feel like the, uh, wow. the unsettledness. And then when they go back into their building, they can feel the stillness a lot, a lot more. So, I mean, it's awesome to get the numbers, but I think that's our goal for the program is to, is to have that stillness and for people to appreciate it and, and recognize that they can go inward and get stillness whenever they want to, no matter what's going on outside or in their mind. There's a place of peace inside of you that no one can ever take from you can always go back to. Yeah, yeah. And what a lesson for parents that are listening, you know, particularly when our kids are having a tantrum or mad or angry, um, you know, it's it's never what it seems. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's always something else underneath it that we're not, you know, we're not hearing and we're not knowing. What do some of the, um, what have you, you know, do you have anything to share about the youth that are in the, um, well, I guess they're not youth. Are they, are these, these are high schools, right, that you're in? Um, so Robert Coleman is, a, is an elementary school. Elementary the, the school, one so there's an elementary school and a high and school. And Patterson's a high school, yeah. Okay, and how old are the people going in to support, to support the kids? I mean, how much um, older are they than the kids? I'm curious. Uh, so it's funny. Sometimes uh, we, we definitely had staff uh, at, at Patterson High School where um, they, they, they're in their mid-20s, but they look a lot younger. So the staff, the, the, like the hall monitor's like, hey, you need to get to class. Where's your pass? <laughs> they were like, um, I'm actually teaching like meditation down the court, like down the hall and that, in the room down there. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah, our, our staff's in their mid-20s um, mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, some of our teachers are older. Uh, some of them are a little younger, but most of them are in their mid-20s. Mm. And what are they reporting? I mean, when you listen to them, I'm assuming you, you get to hear their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do they share with you about their experience being with the kids? Uh, they love it. I think sometimes they're even surprised at, at how well the practices work. Um, because, I mean, you can. it's funny. Like, there's times where at, say, at the elementary school for the Moth Moment program where they'll send two kids who just, like, they've literally just been fighting maybe 10 feet from the door. They'll bring them in. By the end of the kids practicing, the kids are like holding hands, walking out of the room. Yeah. Where it's like, it's, it's, I mean, they know it's, it's funny to say, you know, the practice work when you have your own personal practice, but when you see it in action, it's just something, sometimes it's kind of really eye opening. I mean, and then the fact that the kids are actually going home and, uh, and, and working on the practices on their own and teaching their parents because right. uh, we, we like to teach every teach the kids to be teachers. So once they understand the practice, they go and share them with other people. Um, I think with the high school kids, one of the things that, that the high school kids noticed first and came back and started talking to our staff about was how much better they were sleeping. Um, mm-hmm. They were like, wow, I sleep so much better. I sleep so much better. Like that was one of the things that we weren't expecting to hear. Yeah. Uh, we expected to hear a lot of different things, but I guess like with stress and all the stimuli, and, I mean, like people, their bodies are tossing and turning while they're sleeping, but it's usually not... I mean, when they're trying to go to sleep, it usually has nothing to do with not being able to get physically comfortable. It's like your mind is tossing and turning, so your body starts tossing and turning. You're up all night. They can slow their minds down, and they can slow their bodies down, and then boom, they're sleeping, getting, getting sound nights of sleep, which is very, very important for people of any age, particularly high school students. Yeah. Wow. That's really amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think sleep, um, you know, from friends that have are involved in the different mindfulness, you know, apps online. Um, sleep is, I think, one of the number one things that people are looking for in general mm-hmm. um, that they need support around. So, and it's it's uh, makes sense, but it's also hard to hear, you know, for kids that they are having a hard time sleeping because of the the stress and the distraction. 
Definitely. in their lives. Yeah, really, really hard to hear. Really hard to hear. Um, well, I want to end with something. Um, I'd love to hear any advice that you have for parents, you know, in this kind of distracted, busy world um, that you might share either from your own experience or from the experience from working from your work with the Holistic Life Foundation. Um, mm-hmm. What would you like to tell parents um, to share I, with them? Yeah, I guess um, just a couple things. One is uh, unplug when you're around your kids. Um, it may be hard for some, harder for some people to do, but the work's not going anywhere. Your kids are going to get older. Like day by day, your kids get older and they're, they're going to, like your relationship with them changes. Like take the time to enjoy your kids at the age they are in the moment every single day that you can. Um, if, have a practice with your kids, but don't force it on them. Um, I think one of the things that my boys love about our practice is that we really, really make it fun and I let them shape their practice. It's not me forcing what I do on them because my meditation practice looks a lot different than what I do with my boys. Uh, but I wanted to make it, I want them to have something that's going to work for them and something they're going to kind of latch on to. Um, don't be afraid to have your kids take ownership of the practice. So, I mean, that's the way it's going to continue throughout their lives. If they take ownership of it, it's not you forcing them to sit and meditate. And um, I know I've heard a lot of parents do this, like they use like a breath work or meditation as a punishment for their kids. Like, oh, you're too angry right now. Go sit. Like, you can't use it that way. No. Like, you got to make it fun. You got to make it enjoyable. And then they'll use it when they do feel angry. Like, it won't be forcing them to do it. They'll, they'll be like, oh, wow. They'll, they'll notice that anger. And they'll be like, well, I know I can be the opposite of this if I go sit and breathe or go sit and meditate or mm. whatever mindfulness practice you're doing with your kids. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you. It's been so fun to get some time with you yeah. in, in this way, Ali. Thank you for sharing all of your work and your experience as a parent and um, and your thoughts for parents to be able to incorporate these these practices into their lives. I really appreciate you being with us. I really appreciate you calling me and having me on. Yeah, and so I will make sure um, in on the... Um, podcast page to put in ways that they can find you and connect with the Holistic Life Foundation. Um, so that that will be available on the podcast page. And we will um, say goodbye. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and give us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes. 